Uh, good morning, church. Uh, it is a great joy once again to be with you all and to study the Word of God with you. Please open your Bibles to the Gospel of Matthew. Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6, and I'll be reading from verse 5 through 15. Matthew chapter 6, from verse 5 through 15, and read. And when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners, that they may be seen by others. Truly I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your father who is in secret. And your father who sees in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do. For they think that they will be heard for their many ways. Do not be like them. For your father knows what you need before you ask him. Pray then like this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts, as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. We live in a country where everything can be turned to a joke. Most of the time in South Africa you are allowed to say anything, no matter how insensitive it is, as long as you are just joking. A person can die today and become a joke tomorrow. People can mock you until you are hurt and angry, but when they want to justify themselves, they'll just say, I was joking. And that is accepted most of the time. In South Africa, the president is a joke. Corruption is a joke. Death is a joke. Sickness is a joke. Suffering is a joke. And everything that you can think of is a joke. Because we are a country that loves jokes, and easiest way to disrespect others is through jokes. Joking in itself is not wrong. However, many people use jokes to cover up disrespect, to cover up hatred, and to undermine even other people. The heart of the man is so evil that what was meant to be a way of having fun, we have turned it to a way of hating others and call all of that a joke. For many jokes have no rules, and for that reason, they can even joke about God. This is what they call religious jokes. However, the scripture is strict and clear as to how we ought to view God. This morning, I want us to see how we ought to relate to God. We will only be focusing on Matthew 6, verse 9b, which says, Hallowed be your name. In this verse, I want us to see three things. 
to hallow God's name is one, a duty we need to perform. Two, a commitment we ought to live for. And three, an impossible task without God's help. Last week we saw that God is transcendent. He is above all and independent from all. His dominion is not limited to earthly affairs, but he's in charge of everything. All principalities and powers on earth and in heavenly places are subject to him. To the redeemed, he is the father. That speaks about the closer relationship he has with those who have been justified by Jesus Christ. But Jesus also shows us that his throne is in heaven. That speaks about his greatness, which the psalmist says it is unsearchable. Now, since God is transcendent, there is a way we ought to relate to him. That is what Jesus is showing us here. That takes us to our first point. To hallow God's name is a duty we need to perform. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Obviously, the first question will be, what does it mean to hallow the name of God? To hallow means to sanctify, to make holy, to purify, to set apart, or to separate. Now, we know that we cannot make God's name holy in the sense of changing him because he's already holy and he's already perfect. So to hallow God's name in this context means to cause God's name to be exalted by revealing his nature through our actions. To hallow God's name in the context means to cause God's name to be exalted by revealing his nature through our actions. So when we hallow God's name, our actions reveal the nature of God. We follow a holy God and our actions should reflect our confession that we are saying we, we, we follow a holy God. This is our duty as Christians. We need to hallow God's name in at least three ways. First, we need to hallow God's name in our thoughts, in our minds, and in our hearts. In the first part of verse 9, Jesus had a choice to say, Our Father, and end it there. But he chose to include in heaven. What Jesus did here was to shape the mind of his disciples by reminding them and helping them to understand that in prayer, they are not just talking to a good leader, but to God who is high and exalted. It is important for us to understand that God is like no other. This is a simple truth but our action prove that we do not understand it and we do not believe it. We hallow God in our thoughts by trusting all his promises without exception. If we say God is set apart, he's not like any of his creation, then we admit that he's faithful and able to do everything that he promises to do. If that is the case, then we honestly have no reason to doubt him. But how many times do we doubt him? Do you really believe that God is for you? Do you really believe that God wants what's best for you? Do you really believe that God's ways are better than your ways? You hallow God in your heart and mind by believing this truth. If you do not believe this truth, you are implicitly saying God is a liar. Therefore, you are not hallowing his name. Think of this. This is Jesus teaching his disciples to pray. And he's showing them this pattern. 
Now, here is a question. Do you 100% believe in prayer? Do you 100% believe that when you pray, God listens to you? Do you believe that God answers prayers? Or you're just praying because you were told to pray and you know that you will lose nothing if you pray? You see, sometimes people pray, but they don't really believe that it will make any difference. To them, to them God is like their dishonest friend, their powerless parents, or the partial leaders who do not always give what is good to others. So they prefer to have reserved prayers. They don't want to attach emotions to their prayers. They are afraid of being serious in prayer because they don't want to be disappointed when prayer is not answered. Brothers and sisters, if this is you, then your prayer itself does not hallow God's name. Not trusting God is not a small thing. It is calling him a liar and untrustworthy. To hallow God's name is to set him apart, to acknowledge that he is like no other in his faithfulness. It is to acknowledge that God alone is faithful. And that should be our attitude when we pray. And that should be our attitude when we think about God. This should be in your heart as you pray, and this should be in your heart even as you live your daily life. It is the name of God that should be sanctified. It is the name of God that should be given due respect. By the way, to hallow God's name is to hallow God himself. In the scripture, a name is not just a a label. It is more than an identity. The name is the expression of the nature and character of the one it represents. It is for that reason that we see instances in the scripture where people met God and their names were changed. Their new names were, 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 were meant to give them the, the new character or they were a proof that now this person has been changed by God. They have a new nature and new character in them now. So a name is not just a name. So when we say, hello God, we mean you must hallow God. Rather, when we say, hello God's name, we mean we must hallow God himself. Because to hallow God's name is to hallow God himself. Now, the second way to hallow God's name is in our speech. I mentioned earlier that in our country, people joke about everything. Perhaps you think telling a joke that dishonors God is not a big deal since God knows that you are just joking. Beloved, I want you to know that it is not wise for us Christians to entertain anything that does not hallow God's name. We ought to speak in the manner that honors God all the time. That is what Jesus is teaching us and he does not make exceptions. Hallowed be your name except when it is a joke is not what Jesus taught. If you do not hallow God's name, then you are taking the name of God in vain and there is no middle ground. And Jesus calls us to hallow God's name always and that we should do even in our speech. The scripture is clear that God will not hold him guiltless who takes the na- his name in vain. And when we are not hallowing God's name, we are taking his name in vain. And we are guilty before God when we do that. God is so serious about the honor of his name. So should we. In your speech, you should never disrespect God. In your speech, you should never undermine God. In your speech, you should never mock God. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whoever or whatever one sows, that he will also reap. 
Galatians 6, verse 7. In the context here, Paul was not talking about jokes, but he clearly shows that God cannot be disrespected in any way, and he should not be disrespected in any way. Beloved, in a world where you are tempted to joke about anything and everything, always choose to hallow God's name with your tongue. It is not only when joking that we are in danger of not hallowing God's name. Even in our everyday speech, we can dishonor God. Sometimes you can mean well, but still dishonor God. When we use God's name to promise people things that God himself did not promise, we are taking the name of God in vain and we are not hallowing his name. Now think about a situation where your friend's mom is sick and things are not looking good. Your friend is now losing hope and because her mom's health is deteriorating. You come to her now, you want to comfort your friend. You tell her that God will definitely heal your mom because he is a good God and he is a caring God. At that moment, your friend begins to think, because God is good, my mom will definitely be okay. Unfortunately, your friend's mom dies on the same day. Your friend is now angry at God and believes God is not good and caring because he didn't heal his or her mom. In that situation, though you were trying to be a good friend and wanted to give your friend hope, but you did not hallow God's name. Instead, you created a condition in your friend's mind that God is only good and caring if he heals the mother. In fact, when you look uh, in the world, there are many people who are angry at God because people who meant well told them that God will do things that God himself never promised. So even though they meant well in those situations, they did not hallow God's name. Friends, we must be careful. We must be careful of how we use God's name. We must always be careful of how we use God's name in our daily life. Meaning well is not equivalent to hallowing God's name. Our duty is to hallow God's name in our speech rather than to speak well while not hallowing God's name. So we must not mislead people using the name of God. We have to think before we talk about God. Because to hallow God's name in our speech means we have to use our thoughts to say things that are in God's word. Now that means we must be people of the word ourselves. We must diligently study the word. And the word will help us to know God so that even when we talk about him, we will talk things that are honoring to him. We will say things that are glorifying him. So it is important for us to be believers who study the word of God, believers who meditate on the word of God, and believers who love the word of God. Now, the third way to hallow God's name in our, is our conduct. It is through our conduct. It is right to have good thoughts about God. And it is a good thing to hallow God's name in, in, in our tongues or with our tongues. However, if our conduct doesn't really match our profession, we are in danger of being liars and deceivers. In the scripture, we see two dangerous groups that we must strive not to imitate. The first group is that of the Pharisees. These were careful to appear as people who live to please God but they didn't hallow God in their hearts. They only wanted to please men. Jesus called them hypocrites. If we intend to, or to appear right in the eyes of men when our hearts are far from God, we are not striving to hallow God. 
if we only want to appear right before men, but when our hearts are far from God, we are like the Pharisees. We are just hypocrites and nothing else. And we should strive not to be hypocrites. We should strive to hallow God's name even in our hearts, not just in appearance. If our hearts are far from God, then it doesn't really matter how much we please people. For that reason, we must always strive to hallow God's name. He's the one that we should focus on. Jesus called the Pharisees whitewashed tombs. This should not be us. What a washed white tomb. Oh, these are beautiful and clean on the outside, but full of dead and stinking bodies on the inside. Those are whitewashed tombs, and those should not be us. The second group is that of false believers. Under this, you find false prophets, you find false teachers, and you even find false believers who are obviously followers of all these false prophets and false teachers. These were able to draw a lot of people to themselves in the scripture, but their conduct proved that they didn't really believe the gospel. Perhaps this is still prevalent in our days. Many think they are, Christ, they are Christians. Many believe they are Christians. Many profess their love for Jesus. Many carry and read their Bible in the gatherings, but their conduct is contrary to what the Bible teaches. When we do that, we do not hallow God's name. In Romans 2, Paul talks about the Jews who say the right things with their mouth, but their conduct is contrary to what they say. Romans 2 verse 23 says, You who boast in the law dishonor God by breaking the law. For as it is written, the name of God is blasphemed among the Gentiles because of you. If your conduct is detached to your profession, you might think you are honoring God by speaking about him, when in fact you are causing his name to be blasphemed. You are causing his name to be dishonored. The question we must ask ourselves is, does people who hear us speaking about Christ see the fruit of Christ in our lives? If not, then we do not hallow God's name. We do not show him to be holy as his representatives. Beloved, if we intend to hallow God's name as we should, our heart, our speech, and our conduct should be in harmony with what the scripture teaches. We move now to our second point. To hallow God's name is a commitment we ought to live for. Again, let us look at our text. Hallowed be your name. This is how Jesus taught his disciples to pray. What we see is that he didn't attach any conditions. Now, that makes this an unconditional commitment. Jesus does not teach his disciples to say, hallowed be your name if things are going well. He says, hallowed be your name, period. Perhaps it is easy to hallow God's name when things are going our way. It is easy to hallow God's name when all the pieces of the puzzle fit together. After getting a new job, a new car, a new house, or after getting married, it is easy to wait for people to say congratulations so that you will easily respond and say, it's God's grace, you know. That is right and true. However, it seems as if we talk about God's grace and mercy when things are going well in our lives and in things that does not really pertain to salvation. 
If you look on social media, for an example, a lot of people who write God's grace in their picture uh, are, are posting their pictures where they look beautiful. And they are posting the pictures where they are standing maybe uh, next to something that they've just bought. It is only in that time that they write God's grace. You'll really find someone who is lying on the hospital bed writing God's grace. When things are going well, we say, by God's grace. But when things are not going well, we say, we are pushing. So we do not honor God in that way. We mean we are the one who are doing that. So we strive. Not perhaps strive, but we appear as people who want to honor God's name when things are going well, but when things are going bad, we don't. And that should not be us. The Lord's Prayer teaches us to hallow God's name even when things are not going well. In our worst times, we must still hallow God's name. In one of the worst times for the Israelites, when they were under the judgment of the Lord, Jeremiah wrote the book of Lamentations. As the title of the book suggests, this is a lament where he was lamenting about the difficulties they were facing. However, I want you to see the change of mood as soon as Jeremiah thought about the Lord. In Jeremiah 3 verse 17, it says, My soul is bereft of peace. I have forgotten what happiness is. So I say, my endurance has perished, so has my hope from the Lord. Remember my affliction and my wandering, the wormwood and the gall. My soul continually remembers it and is bowed down within me. But this I call to mind, therefore I have hope. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercy never comes to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, says my soul. Therefore, I will hope in Him. The Lord is good to those who wait for Him, to the soul who seek Him. It is good that one should wait quietly for the salvation of the Lord. What do we see here? We see the reason for hallowing God's name. Jeremiah speaks about God's unending love and His mercy. He looked beyond his suffering and hallowed God in the midst of his suffering. It may be difficult to say good things about God when we find ourselves in terrible situations, but that is because we are always looking at what we are facing and we judge God based on what we are going through. We don't ponder on who God is. We don't think about the mercies of God. We don't think about the kindness of God. As we saw last week, God is our immanent Father, but He is also a transcendent God. Understanding God helps us to honor Him even when we face suffering. We are committed to honoring Him because we know Him, and we know that whatever we face cannot really change who God is. Our God is good all the time. Our God is a Savior. He is the one who sent His dear Son to come into this world to save us. God is the one who gives us eternal life. No matter how we suffer in this world, nothing can take from us eternal life. Therefore, we must always strive to hallow God's name even when we face suffering because we know who God is, because we know what God has done. We have every reason every day to hallow God's name. That we should always remember. 
when we look at this, it is not just unconditional commitment to hallow God's name, but it is also a lifetime commitment. To hallow God's name is a lifetime commitment. That is what we breathe for. That is what we exist for. This is what we live for. In the world where evil is a new norm, because it is accepted by everyone, we, the redeemed, must be committed to sanctify the name of the Lord. In the world where sexual immorality is the order of the day, we stand firm and say marital sex between one man and one woman is the only God-approved sex. In the world where there are a lot of religions and there is a call to accept other religions as different ways leading to the same God, we stand firm and say, we, or rather, he who does not have the Son does not have the Father. Because there is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved, but it is only the name of Jesus Christ and him alone. Whoever is not for Christ is against Christ. As we hallow his name, we emphasize that. In the world where people want to stop using the name sin because they call it hate speech, we stand firm and say sin is sin and we will hallow God's name rather than to obey men who don't want you to use the word sin. God is our key and we are committed to hallow his name always. This is our duty. This is our calling. This is our goal and this is our commitment to proclaim the gospel of Christ and to hallow the name of our God. Listen to what Paul says in Philippians 1 verse 20. As it is my eager expectation and hope that I will not be at all ashamed, but that with full courage now as always, Christ will be honored in my body, whether by life or by death. For to me, to live is Christ and to die is gain. Brothers and sisters, if you have not thought about your New Year's resolution, here is one to hallow God's name every day for this year. The book of Numbers, as Moses was leading the people of Israel to the promised land, we see time and again how rebellious these people were. In Numbers 11, they complained as they remembered how in Egypt they ate fish and cucumbers and all the things that is mentioned there. Moses was so overwhelmed and in Numbers 11 verse 14, he said to God, I'm not able to carry all these people alone. The burden is too heavy for me. If you will treat me like this, kill me at once if I find favor in your sight that I may not see my wretchedness. Moses wanted out, but God kept him as a leader of his people. This was not the first or a second time Moses wanted out because of the pressure he was getting from the people that he was leading. In fact, from the beginning, Moses had doubts about leading the people, but God kept him as a leader. Even when he complained, God still kept him as a leader. Why did God keep Moses as a leader of his people? In Numbers 12, we find the answer. When Aaron, and Moses, when, when Aaron, who was Moses' brother, and Miriam, who was Moses' sister, were opposing Moses, God responded in Numbers 12, verse 6, by saying, Hear my words. If there is a prophet among you, I, the Lord, make myself known to him in a vision, and I speak with him in a dream. Not so with my servant Moses. He is faithful in all my house. Here is the reason. Moses was faithful 
as he was leading the people of God. Moses represented God's word in front of his people. He had heart for God's people. That is seen in how he defended and sometimes interceded for people. Above all, Moses' concern was the glory of the name of God in front of his people and other nations. We see that in Exodus 32 and Numbers 14 when he he intercedes for the people. In Numbers 14, God says he will strike the people with pestilence because they continually disobey him and despise him. Now listen to how Moses responds. Numbers 14, verse 13 to 16 says, But Moses said to the Lord, Then the Egyptians will hear of it, for you brought up these people in your might from among them. And they will tell the inhabitants of this land, They have heard that you, O Lord, are in the midst of these people. For you, O Lord, are seen face to face, and your cloud stands over them, and you go before them in a pillar of a cloud by day, and in a pillar of fire by night. Now, if you kill these people as one man, then the nations who have heard your fame will say, it is because the Lord was not able to bring these people into the land that he swore to give to them, that he has killed them in the wilderness. In paraphrase, Moses saying, God, if you destroy these people, all the nations who have heard that you are a glorious and powerful God who has led these people out of Egypt will think you have failed. In other words, destroying these people will not hallow your name. Whether Moses was right or wrong, one thing is clear. Moses wanted to see the name of God being honored by people he was leading and by the nations that were looking at them. For that reason, God kept him as a leader with all his shortfalls and complaints. In Numbers 20, however, an unfortunate incident happened. People wanted water in the wilderness. And they started quarreling against Moses and Aaron. As usual, Moses and Aaron uh, went to inquire from the Lord. Coming back, they managed to provide water for the people. However, the Lord there disqualified Moses. Moses would no longer be a leader who would lead his people to the promised land. God gives us a reason why he disqualified Moses. Numbers 20, verse 12, reading from the New King James Version says, Then the Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron, Because you did not believe me to hallow me in the eyes of the children of Israel, therefore you shall not bring this assembly into the land which I have given them. Now, this is what I want us to see. What kept Moses as a leader was his desire to hallow God's name. But here, he failed to do that and he was disqualified. First, Moses did not hallow God's name with his conduct. He disobeyed God's word. God told him to take the staff and assemble people and talk to the rock. Moses decided to strike the rock twice with the staff. So Moses did not hallow God's name with his conduct. Second, Moses did not hallow God's name with his speech. God called his people his congregation. But when Moses was talking to them, he said, Hear now, you rebels. Moses did not hallow God's name in his speech. Third, Moses did not hallow God's name in his heart. He was not merciful and kind to the people. He did everything in anger. 
Therefore, he did not hallow God's name in his heart. Lastly, as Moses was doing all this, he did not give glory to God. He hallowed his name, not God's name. He acted as if he was responsible for providing water to the people. When God gave manna to people in Exodus 16, Moses and Aaron said, At evening you shall know that it was the Lord who brought you out of the land of Egypt. But here in anger, he said, Shall we bring water for you out of this rock? Now Moses was disqualified because of his failure to hallow God's name. Before he was disqualified, there were a few times when Moses wanted to be removed as a leader. But God kept him because at that time he hallowed God's name. However, when Moses failed to honor God's name, God removed him as a leader. Now, there's one important thing I want us to see in Deuteronomy 3, verse 23. Moses said, I pleaded with the Lord at that time, saying, O Lord God, you have only begun to show your servant your greatness and your mighty hand. For what God is there in heaven or on earth who can do such work and mighty act as yours? Please let me go over and see the good land beyond the Jordan, that good hill country and Lebanon. But the Lord was angry with me because of you and would not listen to me. And the Lord said to me, Enough from you. Do not speak to me of this matter again. What is this? This is to say when Moses honored God's name, even though he was afraid of leading God's people, God allowed him to lead his people. But when Moses dishonored God's name, even though he wanted, he still wanted to lead God's people, God disqualified him. This is to show that God is serious about the honor of his name. To hallow God's name is not a small thing. To hallow God's name is what God wants. But to hallow God's name all the time, every day, is not easy. Which leads us to our last point. To hallow God's name is an impossible task without God's help. Look at verse 9b again. Hallowed be your name. What we see here is that this is not a declaration or a bold proclamation of what we are able to achieve. Unlike many prayers we hear these days, Jesus is not teaching his disciples to say, we declare and decree that no matter what happens, we will hallow your name. In this prayer, Jesus is not teaching them to trust their efforts. It is true that we ought, we ought to hallow God's name all the time, but it is also true that on our own we are unable to do that. Psalm 106 verse 2 says, Who can utter the mighty deeds of the Lord or declare all his praise? The answer is no one. No one can adequately talk about God's mighty act. No one can fully worship God the way he deserves. We cannot hallow God's name the way we ought to. Our praise falls short, our actions fall short, and our effort can never be enough. So then, what do we do? We, do, we go to God in prayer, and this is what Jesus is teaching. He's teaching us to go to God in prayer. So what is this? This is a petition. When we say, hallowed be your name, we are acknowledging that this is what we should do. This is what we are called to do, but we are unable to do it. 
Therefore, we go to God to ask Him to help us to hallow His name. In prayer, we are not telling God what we are able to do, but we ask Him to help us do what He alone is able to do. Now think of this. What would you say if someone came to you and said, my friend, this year I will start a business and I will be successful. Then I will take my family to Dubai. You'll probably say, oh wow, that sounds great. Good luck, my friend. But isn't this how people approach God? They go to him in prayer and say, God, this is my year. I declare and decree that I will achieve one, two, three in the name of Jesus. Amen. Beloved, be honest. What do you expect God to say when you pray like that? What do you expect God to do when you tell him what you will achieve? This is you telling God what you are planning and what you will achieve and nothing else. You are not asking God to help you if you pray like that. That is not how we ought to pray. Prayer is acknowledging that we cannot do this. We don't have things under, our con- under control. Therefore, we bring our petitions to the sovereign God who is able to help us. In prayer, we don't tell God what we will do. In prayer, we ask God to help us honor his name. Don't get things twisted. In preaching, we declare. In prayer, we bring our supplication. In preaching, we proclaim to people the truth from God. In prayer, we bring our petitions to God. In preaching, we proclaim that Jesus is able to save to the uttermost those who draw near God through him. In prayer, we beat our chest, saying, Lord, be merciful to us sinners. In preaching, we proclaim to other sinners that God can save even the worst sinners. In prayer, we acknowledge to God that we are the worst sinners. In preaching, we say to people, believe the gospel. In prayer, we say to God, help our unbelief. All this is to say what the word of God tells us to do, we are not able to do without God's help. Therefore, as we pray, we ought to go to God, asking him to help us hallow his name, because even though we are commanded to hallow his name, but we cannot do it on our own. Therefore, as we saw earlier, we ought to hallow God in three ways. With our hearts, with our speech, and with our conduct. But without God helping us, that is impossible. It is God himself who helps us hallow his name. Without his help, we can only dishonor his name. Jesus shows us that we need to come to God in prayer, asking for his help. God commands us to hallow his name, and God is the only one who can help us hallow his name. Now, you don't know what to pray for. Ask God to purify your thoughts so that your mind may be filled with pure thoughts. You don't know what to pray for? Ask God to tame your tongue that you may use it graciously to build others, not to hurt and destroy them. You don't know what to pray for? Ask God to help you live like a Christian so that your conduct may be a proof that God changes those he saves. You don't know what to pray for? Thank God for welcoming you to his family and allowing you to call him your father, even though you were formerly his enemy because of sin. To hallow God's name is what we should live for. And since we cannot do it, we must ask God to help us. 
We must always go to God because He's the one who is able to help us. Here, Jesus teaches His disciples how to pray. Most of the time, we don't know how to pray, but Jesus teaches us here. This is how we ought to pray. And today, we are focusing on this part. We must pray that God may help us hallow His name in our hearts, in our minds, and uh, in our conduct. To hallow God's name is an action we are to take, a duty we need to perform, a commitment we ought to live for, an impossible task without God's help. Pray them like this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Our great God, we are so thankful, O Lord, that you love us so much that Lord, you are teaching us even how to pray because most of the time we don't know how to pray. But Lord, we thank you for showing us that even as we pray, we ought to pray that we may be able to hallow your name. We ought to pray, Lord, for help from you because you are the one, Lord, who is able to help us hallow your name. God, we do pray that this may be our aim or this may be our goal this year to hallow your name. Help us, O oh Lord, that the way we think, the way we speak, O oh Lord, and the way we conduct ourselves may be in harmony with your word. We do pray, O oh Lord, thanking you that you are teaching us to pray this way because this is your will, O oh Lord, that we may hallow your name in everything that we do. Be glorified in our hearts and help us live, Lord, according to your word always. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.